This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. For now, though, let's talk teenagers and drugs because drug addiction in all its forms continues to be a huge problem in South Africa. And recent statistics paint a grim, a grim picture of teens and drug abuse in our country. Teenage years, of course, as we know, are prone to experimentation and the desire to indulge in adult activities like smoking, drinking, alcohol, um, sexual activity. This is not something that's uncommon amongst teenagers. So... What do you do when you suspect that your child may be using illicit drugs? Also, what signs should you be looking out for if you suspect this is the case where your child is concerned? We are joined on the line by Peter Uko, who is the chief executive of the Tobacco, Alcohol and Gambling Advocacy Action Group, as well as Daku Mhonyera, who is an addiction counsellor and head of treatment at Crossroads. So without further ado, let's welcome both our guests on air. Peter, greetings and welcome to the show. Greetings to you and to all our listeners. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. I hope that we can give some people the tools and the ideas to solve problems with their children as they arise. Indeed. The big question, I guess, as a parent, you know, as someone who themselves has gone through their teenage phase and knows that we tend to experiment as teenagers, right? And, 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 and you know, we've gone through that phase ourselves. What are the big reasons now that teenagers find themselves experimenting with illicit drugs? I think there's an abundance of reasons. The one is peer pressure, the false belief that it might be exciting, the false belief that it might be good. Mm. And they get pressured into trying something. Oh, let's just try this. As your introduction just said, an adult activity. And then I began to shudder when she said, like smoking. Mm. You know, smoking is just a silly activity at any time, even for adults. Mm. Of course, what happens is that adults don't get addicted to smoking. It happens when they're teens and preteens. So nicotine is one of the most highly addictive drugs around, and it's generally the gateway drug because most drug addicts and alcoholics and others who are addicted to a variety of drugs, licit and illicit, uh, tend to smoke. Mm. You know, in the population, I don't know if you're aware of that, we have about 20%, about one in five adults in South Africa smoke. Mm. But if you look at alcoholics, for example, it's like 100%. Yeah. So uh, smoking is not an adult habit or an adult addiction or an adult activity, as you called it. It's really an addicted activity that starts in youth and teenage years. Yeah. And that's what we have to try and avoid. So yeah. the first thing is to have links with your children, have close emotional ties and intellectual ties with your children so that they trust you mm. and you can trust them. Mm. And then you help them to make intelligent choices. So when it comes to peer pressure, you can let them say to their friends, if they know what the intelligent choice is, listen, I know the consequences of drugs. I don't want to become addicted. Mm. I've seen it in this one. I've seen it in the movies. I've seen it all over the place. I'm not even going there. The problem is that young people mm. get enticed into trying it. Yes. Oh, you know, it's fun. We'll just try it. Yeah. And then you know what? It's nice. They mm. think it's nice because... Mm. Sometimes it does feel nice. Yeah. So they take it again and it's nice and they're in control. 
And a week or two or three later, they have another little shot at it, and it's still nice. Mm. And all of a sudden, six months later... You've gone down the rabbit hole. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's under deep, dark, winding, twisting rabbit hole. Mm. And it's very difficult to get out. And a lot of people have said that to me. It was nice when I started, and I managed to hide it from my parents. Mm. All of a sudden, I don't have money anymore to buy it because it's not once a week or once every second week that I want to be nice. It's now it controls you. True. And that's one of the lessons, you know, teenagers and peer pressure, you make the decision to try the drug. Yeah. So you're in control. What happens is very quickly the drug takes over and then you're no longer in control. Mm. So if you teach young people, you want to keep in control, don't do drugs because they control you eventually. Yeah. You know, freedom of choice, we have freedom of choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Eventually... No, the drug removes that choice. Indeed. Dago, um, greetings and welcome to the show. You are on the line as well. Peter oh, is talking great. about, yeah. um, you know, peer pressure, right? And how generally we need to have conversations with young people that are in our lives and check in with them every once in a while. But if I am a parent whose work means that I get home quite late. I hardly have that moment to catch up with my children, except possibly on the weekends. How do I make sure that I still have that time to have this conversation? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really tough one. Because um, obviously, as you're saying, you know, these are competing motives, which obviously makes sense. You're going to work to make money so that you can provide certain things. Yeah. And um, that's the idea behind it. Um, you can't be two places at once. Mm. And obviously, I think as, as children, we spend more time around other kids yeah. rather than with our parents. Mm. And I think it's an, it becomes an, an attachment thing where I feel love, wherever I do find love, acceptance and belonging, um, that's where I'll possibly gravitate towards. True. Um, so it's such a tough one to be able to balance all of those things out. I think, you know, that's why there was always that saying that it takes a village to raise a child. Mm. Um, was just so much energy is involved to be able to be attuned to a child's needs, you know, because each child is different. I mean, I grew up um, with two sisters. Mm. I ended up being the one with addiction and, and those type of things. Mm. And, you know, we're different. We're in the same house, but we're, we're also different proclivities. And, uh, and you know, it's... One person would think, oh, okay, I'm doing this. It should work out for all. But, you know, I'm sure any parent will tell you that uh, no two children are the same. So it's a tough one. So then in your experience, what drove you to go looking for drugs? Um, I think, you know, I think as, as a child, um, there's various things that we have as needs, but we are not yet able to speak about them mm-hmm. in, in words that people might understand. So the idea of acting out, um, uh, you know, if you go to another country and you can't speak the language, you act out mm. until they kind of figure out what you want to say or what you want. And yeah. It's like you point at things and then they figure out, say, oh, you want to eat something. Mm. And I think, you know, for, for me as a child, it was, you know, my, my parents got divorced when I was quite young. It happened. And the various things that happened, my mom had cancer. Um, there was a, an affair involved and all this kind of, and uh, there was a lot of anger and internalized feelings that I didn't know how to speak. So mm-hmm. as, as much as I think it was a Paul, sorry, it was a Peter who was speaking and saying that trust element, I, I was in a place where to some extent, you know, I, I didn't trust all the people um, because I was now seeing the, 
you know, the imperfections. And at that point, I'm like, I thought you were supposed to be doing this, but you're doing that. Yeah. So I can't really trust this. Yeah. So I think, yeah, for most of us, you know, the three things it says, don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. Um, yeah. So that becomes that problem where it's like, I can't talk to you because I don't trust you. And I'm having these very uncomfortable feelings. Mm. And then someone said, hey, try this drink. You know, it was my cousin. He was a bit older than me, maybe two years older than me. And I had a drink and I was like, oh, this feels right. good. Okay. <laughs> now that's okay. Now, now I'm all right. Now I'm yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, Peter. So that's where started. Peter Tako mentioned something very interesting and something that is generally an acceptable norm in the country, um, and that is alcohol. You know, we we generally don't look as at alcohol as a drug. Now, when you're looking at alcohol um, and weed, those are generally the most common drugs that young people would gravitate towards. But what are some of the most common drugs that our teenagers are using now? Well... Let's start with the nicotine. As I said, that's the gateway drug. Mm. It opens the addictive pathways. It's hiding this, what we call the adult activity, where children want to smoke because they feel big. Mm. It's like little girls wearing mommy's high heel shoes because they feel like adults. Yeah. So they think, oh, I'll smoke and I feel like an adult. It's only later on that you find out really you don't feel like an adult. You're actually like an idiot now because you've lost control of your life. Mm. So alcohol is very similar. The, the sequence of events with smoking was that it used to be cool to smoke. Then it became not cool to smoke. Mm. And now with the process of that we followed in the South Africa with banning smoking in public places and all the other things that we had there, all the steps that we're taking. So it went from cool to smoke to not cool to smoke. And now the state of cool is, is vaping. smoke. Uh, but but, but yeah. vaping is a thing now. Well, you see high-power marketing by companies that manufacture tobacco products, and most of the big manufacturers of cigarettes, conventional combustible cigarettes, own the vaping manufacturers. And let's begin with that word. I don't like the word vaping because it's a misnomer. Mm-hmm. You suck something into your lung, and the early days of electronic cigarettes, where it looked like a little cigarette, mm. You'd, you'd suck something out of it and a little puff of vapor came out of your mouth. Yes. It, we called it vapor because it looked like a little puff of steam or yeah. vapor. And when we talk about vapor, we actually think water vapor. Mm-hmm. Now it's not water vapor and it's no longer electronic cigarettes. They have these huge electronic devices on which people suck. So it's not like, oh. The Hubblies. <laughs> yes, Hubblies and the electronic devices as well. So it's yeah. not a question of, sounding nice like oh do you vape yes i vape oh i like the cherry or i like the mint let's go and vape it sounds nice actually they are sucking on an electronic device and a huge mixture of aerosols and chemical compounds and poisons and addictive drugs like nicotine into their lungs Mm. and this huge plume of smoke comes out so it's no longer this little puff of something huge plumes of smoke come out now Any child with half a brain, any teenager with half a brain, and they all know this, putting any form of smoke into your lungs is dangerous. You don't sit at a barbecue or walk past a grass fire on the side of the road and the wind changes direction when you're having a a braai and the smoke, you don't run around to the other side where the smoke is going Mm. and (gasps) say, oh, I'll breathe that in. It's nice. It's not nice. You know that. Yeah. But... 
the romance of all the flavors and exotic names of the flavors. You know that there's about six or 7,000 flavors wow. of chemical vaping devices and mixtures, and they're not, I want to stay away from that word, word vaping, they're liquids that contain nicotine. Mm. And it's been found that even those which do not contain nicotine are or listed do not contain nicotine actually do contain nicotine. Mm, mm. So what happens is they're saying the youngsters, oh, I'll suck on this because it doesn't contain nicotine and I can't get addicted. Yeah. Unknown to them, they are inhaling nicotine and eventually they do get addicted. Indeed. What happens with any addiction, and Tucker will confirm this as he's an addiction counselor and gone through the experience, your required dose to keep you satisfied always has to increase. So you don't get enough from the liquids that you buy, so you buy a stronger liquid. Yes. And instead of 6 yes. milligrams, you buy 10 milligrams, and then that still doesn't work. Yeah. So people eventually go to combustible cigarettes to feed their addiction. They require a stronger dose. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, presto, you're addicted. Indeed. And by the way, teenagers know this as well. It's a simple thing. When you smoke, you stink. That's where I wanted Daku to come in. What are some of the right. signs that I need to look at as a parent? Because you've been on that side. Um, because I know, you know, generally when I was in school and people would smoke before they go home, they would like spray a lot of deodorant on their blazer just to, you know, fool right. the parent. And for me, it used to be like, but that's stupid. If I was a parent and your blazer is reeking of um, aerosols, automatically I would assume, what are you hiding? Mm. So what signs should I be looking at as a parent? Um, I guess detachment is a, is, a, is a starting point. As I said, um, a, a lot of this, and, and I think that's the difficult thing about it, especially when you're teenagers. As you said, there's such a peer pressure um, component involved in it, mm. um, wanting to fit in, you know. Uh, as he was talking about the whole sense of, you know, you don't fall around the smoke at the campfire because it's not cool, you know. Mm, mm. But as he was also saying, you know, high market marketing um can make something cool that's not cool. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm going to try this out. Mm. So the problem you have obviously is, are you dealing with phase situation? Yes. Because I could be thinking it's just puberty. Yeah. So maybe I think that's some of the reason why parents just kind of maybe turn a blind eye to it. It's like, yeah, you know, I remember I was in school. Yeah, I went through that little phase and then, you know, I got over it. Yeah. So I think part of the reason why, you know, people don't necessarily, um, get too alarmed at first, maybe, to some extent, is they'll, they'll, they'll say it's a phase. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's boys being boys or whatever it is, they'll grow out of it, and maybe that's the starting point. Mm. But obviously, as time goes by, and, and Peter was alluding to it, you know, the consequences are getting higher because, you know, we, we need more of the same to just feel all right, mm. so to speak. Mm. And then later on it becomes, I mean, by the time I was, I think I was 21. The rating was on the wall. I mean, it took me another seven years, um, pretty much, before until I hit that rock bottom where I was like, no, okay, I'm not phasing. This is me unable to cope with life and drinking and drugging, and the drinking and drugging doesn't work anymore. Yeah. I'm I'm out of options. I need to do something very different. Okay. So I'm a parent. 
I've seen the signs, right? Because um, uh, uh, according to the document I have, some of the signs is bloodshot eyes or pupils that are larger or smaller than normal, frequent nosebleeds, which are related to snorting drugs, changes in sleep and appetite patterns, sudden weight gain or sudden weight loss, deterioration in grooming or personal hygiene, unusual smells on the breath, the body or the clothing, um, shakes, tremors or slurred speech and decreased academic performance. Suddenly, your A student is now getting Fs and, and FFs, you know. Um, but now I'm a parent, right? And I'm seeing these signs. The, the most natural thing to want to do is to shout and rant and rave. But surely that's not doing the situation any favors. What's the best way to deal with the situation once I, I've now decided, you know what, we have a problem? Um, look, the best way is, is a difficult one. I think, you know, as, as with things, you, you meet it where it's at and you escalate. Mm. You know, so you, you might start with talking about it. You might want to say, cool, let's talk. You might be frustrated. You might shout. You might beat. You might bribe. I'm sure you, as a parent, because you're trying as best as you can, you mm. know, you try a lot of things first, even before asking for help for other people to say, I have this problem. Um, I've tried all these things and I don't know what to do. Yeah. So I think with most things, it's cumulative rather than you just try one thing. Yeah. Um, if you call in the uncle, the no-nonsense uncle, he also comes in. You, uh, you send the kid to another school. You know, you, you, you're trying to do, as I said, it, it's literally like, as I was saying with the baby, when, when the baby cries, it's acting out and you have to figure out to some yeah. extent what it is. Are you hungry? Are you tired? Uh, are you sick? Yeah. You're doing all sorts of things to try and understand what they can't say in words. Mm, mm. And you're trying all those things. And until maybe at that point in time where someone can vocalize you know, in a meaningful way to say, you know, this is what I'm experiencing, this is what I'm saying, and they have enough bandwidth of themselves to then get the feedback and be like, well, maybe it's this and maybe it's that. You know, um, I, 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 as I said, I think it's, it's a cumulative uh, experience rather than uh, one thing fits and if you do this, then you'll be okay, and yeah. it, it's going to happen. But More the conversation likely, needs to be had. Yeah, definitely. Uh, conversation, and this is the thing I was also saying, detachment. It's like, you don't understand me, you know? Yeah. Um, it becomes one of those things where I don't want to talk to you. They just come in, and the earphones, and now I think with cell phones, I mean, that type of thing is even worse, because you can be very much in tune with your phone rather than with, with your parents. Yeah. So as soon as you get home, you're still texting your friends and Facebooking and all this. And, you know, there's a beat that the kids are playing to that you wouldn't be able to understand. Yeah. And you're thinking, why don't you talk to me? You know, and they're like, uh, you don't understand where we are right now. And, and so forth. We grew up running around in the streets mm, mm, uh, and so forth. And mm. yeah, now it's a different thing where your child can be at home sitting next to you, but very much in another world altogether. Indeed. Daco- there's pornography yeah. as well to be looking at. Um, so there's so many other things that can happen. And, you know, as, as Peter was talking about cigarettes, but before cigarettes, it's sugar. That's pretty much where they catch us first, you know. Um, the sugar addiction is possibly uh, where they catch us first. 
you're bringing on other things now that I hadn't thought about. <laughs> but let's take a young break. We're going to take a, a quick breather. Um, we are in conversation with Peter Uko, who is uh, the Chief Executive of Tobacco, Alcohol and Gambling Advocacy Action Group, as well as Dagum Honyera, who is an addiction counsellor and head of treatment at Crossroads. We are talking about teenage addiction. When we come back, we're going to hear from them. So now you've had this conversation. Uh, where do you go? To get help. Is this the time that you sit back and have the conversation and they say, right, we're taking you to rehab or what do you do? It's 1425. Speak up. Call the power line on 0861-987-000. We are talking to Peter Uko, who is a chief executive of Tobacco, Alcohol and the Gambling Advocacy Action Group and Dakum Honyera, who's an addiction counsellor and head of treatment at Crossroads. And speaking of treatment, um, Daku, I just wanted to know when it comes to this addiction side of things. So my child has come out and admitted that they have a problem or I've just realized the signs that, listen, we have a problem at home. Is taking my child to a treatment center, or, or rather, at what point do we get to go to the treatment center? Do I wait for them to come to me, or do I nip it in the bud the moment I see that we have an issue? Um, cool. So, look, I, ideally, um, you probably find where someone comes to terms with that themselves. Mm-hmm. I have a problem. Mom, I'm in, in a situation I can't deal please, I need help, this is what's been going on, and so forth. That can be an ideal situation. Um, however, you know, denial keeps us going. Uh, as I said, when I was still young, I couldn't have fathomed to say I have an, a problem in that context. I'm going through a phase. This is what men do. This is young guys. We're just having fun. One of the, you know, we have car accidents. You know, those things happen. You might get arrested sometimes. I couldn't have contextualized it to the sense of saying, this is what it is. Mm. Um, so other people on the other side, obviously, they might be able to see it beforehand and say, look, dude, you know, we think we, you have this problem. And, you know, the problem we have here is, remember, to begin with, drugs aren't my problem. They're my solution. Yes. yes. Right. So yes. anytime you threaten my solution. I'm going to have some resistance, especially if I don't have an alternative way yeah. of living. Yeah. Um, so there'll be defensiveness, there's denial, there's all of those type of things because I'm like, what are you expecting me to do to let go of the one thing that makes me okay? Yeah. You know, if I'm waking up in the morning and the first thing I do to feel okay is have a cigarette um, or have a cup of coffee and, and you know, just a cup of coffee with the, some sugar in there to see how it's like to not have that thing and you can feel like mm. <sighs> such disorientation and how am I going to get through? It's like, please do not talk to me until I have my cup of coffee. Mm, you know, mm. just let me get okay first. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot of resistance around that. But sometimes, yeah, you know, it's, it's the intervention that might need to take place because unfortunately, you know, the person might not be able to see the truth anymore yeah. for what it is. Yeah. And it sometimes takes intervention. Um, it sometimes, yeah, as I said, it's cumulative. So sometimes you do the intervention, then it's like, but I didn't want to come here and I, I resent you for doing this. Yes, and then later yes. on, then I can actually be like, oh, okay. I now get what my teachers were saying. I now yeah. get what my coach was saying. Yeah. I now understand what my girlfriend was saying. I now understand what the addiction counselor was trying to say. Mm. Now I get it. So it, it's a tough call one to say, what's the best way? Because I've seen guys come in kicking and screaming. Mm. And then somewhere along the line, the penny drops. And it's like, oh, okay, I need to be here. Uh-huh. And similarly, I've seen guys coming, ah, oh, now I'm ready. I'm up there. And, you know, 
like two weeks later they're like, nope, can't do this, and and, and they go. So it's it's not easy to say best way of doing it in that sense. Indeed. Dago, Peter, unfortunately we have run out of time. Thank you so very much for your insight and all the information that you've given us. We need to get back onto more of this because it's a long subject and people do need help. But thank you Indeed. for having us on board. Thank you We're so delighted much. To yeah. help. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Peter, for your contributions and the work you're doing out there. And thank you also, Power uh, FM, for inviting us. Indeed. Thank you so very much to you, gents. Now, if you are just looking for uh, places to go in order to get a little bit of assistance, one of the best places that I can think of is the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, that is SADC. They have advice and support, as well as a list of places to call if you are at that point where you feel like you need to take your teenager for help. That is SADC, the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.